Hello and welcome to another episode of Cast It Into the Fire podcast. I'm Sarah. I'm Bill. And we are back to House of the Dragon, episode 6, The Princess and the Queen. And this is an episode that I will put a mature content warning on. I mean, this is House of the Dragon, so that's kind of implied anyway. But this one I'll put an extra one on. Yeah, well, the... Yeah, at this point I'd say any episode we do automatically comes with this, but yeah, we're going to go You can even to, use a trigger word. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna go out of our way to mention this one. Uh, yeah, content warning on this one uh, for reasons that will become clear. Some of which involve uh, something I'm happy about, not necessarily that per se, but the fact that there are dragons. There are actually dragons in this There episode. are dragons. They are There's finally... There's like four different dragons in it, something like that. Um, there were four different dragons in it. I might have four. There were at least three. One of them was kind of in the dark and I couldn't tell what dragon it was. Okay. But yes, so. they finally have dragons on for more than less than more than a minute. Yeah. And we can so. see a variety of dragons too. Yes. Well, at least three different dragons. But. Um, I also say that they recast the actors for Rhaenyra, Alicent. Aegon too, and Helena to reflect a 10 year time jump into the future. So this is 10 years since the last episode. Yeah, that's that sounds about right. Everyone looks about 10 years older. It's actually surreal seeing a time jump like that within just an episode. I mean, just several times there have been made, you know, pretty significant time jumps. Like two characters that were babies or toddlers are now yeah. children. and Yeah, and it's... Uh, now there's uh, a... Oh, actually, one of, of them is pretty much grown. Uh, now there's something of a secession issue, but not for the reasons people may think. But anyway, we're going to get into that. So, we start out um, right into... Rhaenyra is giving birth to her third son. And, well, it's it doesn't have any complications happening, so it's not the horror birth scene from episode one. But... Um, some stuff it's uh, she's having her baby and I'm gonna say this gets into some stuff that most TV birth scenes don't um you're hearing some sounds um she has although you don't see it um there's mention of passing the afterbirth and that makes me think likely a woman wrote that part. Yeah. Um, but she has her son and he's alive, he's healthy, and basically pretty much as soon as he's semi-dried off, Rhaenyra is summoned by Alicent to bring the child to her to see. And it'll actually she says to bring the child, but Rhaenyra's not going to just hand off her new baby to somebody to bring her baby to somebody who already doesn't like her. You know, she wants to stay with her baby. Yeah, which is smart, and also what most people, I think, would do anyway. So, she, you know, after she's in pain from just pushing a baby out, has to walk up all those stairs to go see Allison and have her see the baby right now. 
and her husband Leonor, it seems like he's kind of trying to be supportive, um, even though, you know, he's gay and he's not in love with her, I think he does care about her, but he's kind of being ignorant about it, he's like, was it terribly painful? I took a lance through the shoulder once, I'm glad I'm not a woman, and she just kind of looking at him like, please shut it. Yeah. Okay. I'm a woman who has never given birth, but I I know better than to think of any of the various uh, injuries I've had in life, comparing them to childbirth on any level. Uh, Well, a man can't comment on that, but it was. uh, I didn't really see that scene. I think I briefly stepped out, not because I wanted to, because I had to use the restroom, but. Uh, it happened quick, apparently. Um, well, they're uh, climbing the stairs. Um, Lord Caswell shows up and um, offers to help. And, uh, like, no, you might require your service another time. I'm only bringing this up to say um, here's another Lord of Westeros entering the picture. Rather than anything important happening right then. Um, Leonor saying it's absurd that they're having to bring the child to the queen now. And, oh, as soon as they get into the queen's room, Allison says, Rhaenyra, you should be resting after your labors. <laughs> yeah. And Rhaenyra sarcastically responds, no doubt you would prefer that. Yeah, she's gotten very, uh, um, very, very uh, sharp. And Alicent's has developed this kind of underhanded pettiness where she can maintain polite appearance. You know, she's not swearing or anything. Uh, like, the cruelty's there under the surface already. Um, Viserys is there looking ill as he always does, but he always kind of looks a little worse as things go along. Good job, makeup department. Uh, and welcomes his grandson. Um, Leonor names the baby Joffrey after his late partner who died at the wedding. Um, but they don't say who the baby's named after. It's kind of like, oh, that's not a very Valerian-sounding name. Uh, yeah, don't be named Joffrey in Westeros. Don't name your kid Joffrey. Don't... Yeah, Joffrey's apparently something of a cursed name. George Gerrard is not... There must be a Jeffrey Does not treat jo- Je- characters Jeff. named Joffrey well. There must be a um, Jeffrey or a Jeff, a Joffrey. Uh... <laughs> That he doesn't like or something out there because anyway yeah uh, from uh, Viserys I do believe he has his father's nose now none of the three sons look like Leonor and it is strongly implied and I mean strongly if you know what I'm saying that Leonor is not the father 
the, the implication, although it's never actually confirmed in yes, this happened words, in both the book and the show, it is implied that Harwin Strong, the captain of the City Watch, is the father of Rhaenyra's sons. They got brown hair, and Leonor is black, and they're white with brown hair, so it seems that between that and Leonor, you know, being famously gay, he's not the father. Um, Viserys hopes that the labor was easy, and, uh, Rhaenyra says she thinks she called the midwife, uh, the C-word. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he hugs her father, and Allison, to kind of, as a side to Leonor, do keep trying, Sir Leonor, sooner or later, you may get one who looks like you. Like, as I said, the the underhanded petty. Yeah, very petty. Um, Rhaenyra isn't pleased with Leonor for choosing her baby's name without importance. He's like, oh, it's our baby. And Rhaenyra says, oh, she's the only one who's bleeding. Leonor you know, says he still gets a say in the affairs of their family. And Rhaenyra says, you don't seem interested in the affairs of our family of late. And there'll be more on that later. Um, the oldest son, Jace, short for um, Jacaris. Yeah, funny that. Has chosen a dragon egg for the baby and... Luke, short for Lucuries, has let him choose it. They they got this thing where they put a dragon egg in the baby's cradle to hatch and grow up with the baby and they bond. Now, I'm not exactly sure how that works out given that the dragon eggs are being maintained in these hot braziers. Yeah, I don't know what they're how that works either, but they, they have to cook the dragon eggs continuously. Otherwise, I guess they don't hatch properly. But it seems like maybe they don't, because they're not putting the hot brazier in with the baby cradle. Not even a Targaryen baby. Uh. And hatching the egg with the baby has been a long tradition. If the eggs are not hatched that way, they are kept actually in the dragon pit or in one of the um, dragon stable cave thing in um, Dragonstone where I presume that they are hatched by either stable workers or maybe their own mother. I'm not... It's never quite gone into how it works. What, how the dragons are How the dragons hatch out when they aren't put in the baby cradle. And Harwin Strong is there, looking very much like uh, the involved dad. And I think Leonor does know about it, and I think he's cool with it. And you, 
you know, even with calling the kids Piz. And the scene changes to inside the dragon pit. Um, this is where it gets good. The young dragon Vermox, Vermax is led through the dragon pit um, with chains. And Jace is training Vermax in Valyrian, giving him commands in Valyrian. And Vermax looks cool. He looks kind of got a bit of a crested gecko kind of look to his face. But mixed with a bit of velociraptor, and he's green. Yeah, he it's looks adorable. really, really, really cute. He's like the size of like a small pony, maybe. Yeah, like, like lighter pony. weight than a pony, but you got about like the height and stuff, right? Yeah, and he looks cute. Makes you immediately want one. This is a dragon. One of the dragons we're talking about. So uh, I've wondered, and I haven't gotten anything in canon to confirm one way or the other. Do dragons inherently understand Valyrian language, whatever you're saying to them? Or do they still have to be trained with word association like a dog? Uh, they seem to have to be trained with word association. Well, they use the command. But so. they but they always but they're always commanding them in Valyrian. Yeah, so they they're Valyrian specific. I don't know. They make it seem like they just have a special connection somehow. That's a, that's why I was asking you if they, uh, if they had that with other animals, which you said no. No, dragons they're not, only. They're not clear on that in the show, to be honest, so. And they bring out a live goat, which, um, Vermax burns on command and then starts eating. Which, uh... Well, it's a quicker end for the goat than some predators would be. Now, if... Needless to say, they didn't burn an actual goat in the... And the carcass that the dragon was eating out of looked pretty fake. And then Aegon and Luke pull a prank on Aemond where they're like, oh, we've got a dragon for you too. And they lead out a pig with wings strapped to it. And it gets the pink dread. Yeah, and everyone has a laugh except for him. He's upset. But they all have It was funny. It was funny. <laughs> but at the same time, it's like... I would be kind of pissed too because I'd be like, I want, I a, want dragon. a dragon. Yeah, exactly. I don't even care about the joke making fun of me. I want a dragon. Um, Amon, who's just been disappointed in not getting a dragon, he goes further into the dragon pit. And he encounters a much uh, bigger dragon. I'm not sure which dragon I'm looking at. Like, I thought maybe it was... Um, Vagar, but it looks smaller and the head doesn't look quite right. But th the lighting wasn't very good. And then the dragon flames and Aemon kind of loses his nerve and runs for it. 
Um, scene changes to back inside the castle, and Helena Targaryen has an insect collection, and she's got dead ones in a box. Um, beetles, a moth, an emperor scorpion. I, I love it. She's a bug girl. She's a herper. I like... Yeah, she's got... Well, I saw the millipede. I didn't see the other things. Well, the other things were dead. Yeah. Specimens, but... She has those. And she takes out a live, giant, tropical millipede in her hand. It's just cool. And she knows all the numbers of segments and legs. 60 segments. Two pairs of legs per segment. 240 total. It has eyes, but she doesn't think it can see with them. And... It's beyond understanding, and the last ring has no legs. Was that Mas- Madagascan? I think it was African, but I, okay. I'm not certain. We'd have to like see. I do, I do have some background in working with pet store, like, arachnids and insects and stuff, but I believe it was a giant African millipede. If I'm wrong in the identification, oh, please do message us. I want to hear it. Yeah, if any of you bug nerds actually uh, know this one. I mean, I, I, I'll i have to watch it again myself because I'm making it. Do you think they were going anywhere with this? Or just trying to make her seem a little weird or goth? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I think they're trying to make her seem... Uh, I'm not sure where you think she was going with. This whole thing about, like, oh, it has eyes, she doesn't think it can see, and it's beyond understanding. No. Are they blind? Uh, no, they can see. As far as, I, as far as I remember, they can see pretty well. Uh, I am rusty on my bug facts, and I did not expect to be quizzed on bugs today, but it is from what I remember, the Alicent is there scolding Amond for messing with the dragons because he could have been hurt. And he's really mad about the uh, Pink Dread incident. And yeah, she's he, like, you he, will have a dragon one day. Yeah. He has a... Uh... It seems like no uh, eggs have hatched for him. And Helena says, just kind of out of nowhere, he'll have to close an eye. Now, I'm not going to spoil what that meant, but if you've read the book or been looking around at spoilers, uh, I think you'll know what she meant there, a bit of prophecy going on. Um, Alicent is talking to Viserys about his grandsons being savages, and... Oh, he he says, are you sure Aegon didn't put them up to the pig prank? And she brings it up without using any direct words, her suspicions about the kid's parentage. Yeah, because she's really going there like, oh yeah, their parentage isn't... Right, because... They're, they're pulling these pranks... Oh, like they wouldn't be doing that if... I mean, yes, it is ultimately about them not looking like their dad, but... Yeah, I don't know. I mean... 
And I think the implication is also there that Aegon did orchestrate this prank on his brother, but we'll also get more into that later. Well, no, that's what I thought it was. That's how I read it. Viserys decides to, you know, with full metaphor in place, tell of a black mare that he had that uh, got loose from its pen and was bred by a silver stallion that was like silver as the moon or whatever. But the foal was um, very ordinary looking and chestnut brown. And Allison asked if he knows for sure that the Silver Stallion was the father. Did he actually see the act? Uh, once again, this is all very pointed metaphor. You know that they're using horses to talk about not horses. Uh. Yeah, they're, they're, they're clearly using this as a metaphor for something. And yeah, you did look it up. I did actually look up uh, about horse genetics. And I, I can't tell you everything I don't know everything but I did determine that yes it is possible for a black horse and a gray horse to have a chestnut offspring if their parents had if they get a copy of the red gene from both parents you know through the the grandparents side okay and well, Targaryens could have been inbred enough to do Horse that. genetics are not the same as... I mean, Human once you genetics. get beyond nope. the basic Punnett Square stuff, horses have dilute genes and um, yeah, spotting genetic. genes and all kinds of things. All that genetics is more complicated. That's just how they teach... The Punnett Square is just how they teach high schoolers, basically. And apparently... A gray horse bred to a horse that's not gray, and I presume that's what they meant when they said silver. Um, if they were talking about champagne, dilute, whatever, other colors, uh, there's even more complicated stuff than I'm ready to get into, but gray horse bred to not gray horse has a about 50-50 chance of the fold being a gray one too and they're also often born a darker color and lighten as they age so a gray horse might be like bay underneath the that's how it is with the Lippenzahners they're the voles are dark brown and they lighten to like the whitish gray in adulthood so yeah I had to be pedantic about horses and this uh, metaphor. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to see if uh, if that combination is actually possible, and turns out it is. Um, I'll back away from horses. I'm think I'm going to point out here that. Alicent has brown hair and Viserys has silver and her kids all have silver hair despite having a mom with brown hair so it's not as no it's not it's as not simplified. as simplified as like some would have it 
But Viserys suggests that these allegations would have dire consequences. Don't speak of them again. Yeah, and you can tell that uh, that's the one warning right there. Next, Allison is seen walking with Kristen, and they're talking about how Rhaenyra is flaunting this and how it's obvious to everyone and the king is just looking away about her kid's parentage and Kristen says that she's a spider who stings and sucks her prey dry and spoiled seaward and Alicent kind of looks affronted at the language even though it's clear she thinks the same stuff and is just being polite about it. I think he's just being polite about it. That's how I read it. And he's like, oh, I'm sorry. That's, that was ben- beneath me to speak like that. Once again, I think about the actual language itself, not... the suggestions. Then the scene cuts to pardon me Aegon 2 is um polishing his sword as as you were right out of a window naked yep. pleasuring himself you don't really see it because his back is turned but we all know what he's doing yeah he's 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 Elaborating. He's doing that into the sun in broad daylight, which, you know, that's what, you know, I joked he was, he was trying to have a mystical experience, but, uh, which... And, yeah. uh, yeah, this is HBO Point being is HBO, because that was not in the book. No, apparently they added that. Um, and, and his mom just walks in and, and mom, starts well, asking mom, him about the pig. <laughs> and well, I also knew about it, the shipping. She said something about that. Oh, she didn't say anything about that. She just walks in while this is happening and is like, yeah, do you know about the pig? And She then talks talks about how their family's in danger when Rhaenyra ascends, finally. And he's just, like, looks shocked and falls off the windowsill, covers himself in a blanket, and his mom just keeps talking. Yes, about how... Their family's in danger, and you can't um, go playing these kind of games with the um, with Rhaenyra's kids. Um, ask him if he knows about the pig, and it's at this point very, very implied that he absolutely did orchestrate the pig prank, which they're making a much bigger deal over than it's worth. They go, come on, some boys strap wings on a pig and had a joke. Uh, yeah, they're making it like, you know, a whole political thing, and it wasn't. It was just, they were just making fun of him, because he was, uh... He was and just so you know, the pink dread has its own emoji on Twitter now. Yeah, Pig with wings, yes. Of course, why not? Uh, next, you see Damon and Lyanna 
red and Caraxes and Vega, and it just looks awesome. They're just like flying over the sea. The two biggest dragons and. Vagar is flaming and Caraxes flies almost like right through the flame right after it's done and it looks very cool. Yeah, it looks it looks awesome. Um, like I said, that dragon. And Vagar is the biggest, oldest dragon that they have currently living at their time. It was actually one of the ones that came over with the Conqueror. Yeah. Um, How old written by Visenya. Um, I would say close to two hundred. How how long did the uh, did uh, um? Like the Black Dread made it to about two hundred, and yeah. Vagar is almost as old. So there you go. That's about. So it. she's the biggest, most impressive dragon in the, in the realm world and right now. Probably. And Leanna gets to ride her, and that's cool because, you know, she was the one who was like, oh, I... The dragon was heard singing at the beach. Remember how she was, like, nerding about the dragon when she was ten... Sorry, twelve. Yeah, of course. Um, there's jokes in the fandom. She's a horse girl, but with dragons. Yeah, exactly. That's awesome. That is awesome. That's, like, the way it should be. Well, they are flying to Pentos for a meeting with um, one of the princes. Um, they got a whole feast set, and the feast looks great, or maybe not great, depending on your point of view. I mean, got a lot of interesting foods out, but some of the foods were a little, like, they had some kind of, I don't know whether they were sheep heads or what. After they're cooked. Yeah. Uh, a whole royal uh, spread. And the Prince Regio wants an alliance with them against Lise and the Triarchy. And the Triarchy has an alliance with Dorne now, so they want Targaryens and dragons on their side. And at this point, you also see um, the two children of um, Damon and Lyanna. Twin girls, Bela and Rayanna. The names are almost the same again. Yeah. And I have as yet not figured out how to tell the twins apart. They're identical twins. They have different personalities in the book, which I know about, but you haven't seen enough on screen to tell yet. Nope. And I'm like, we yes. Bella is the more like tomboyish one, but so Lana doesn't want this alliance. They're using us. And yeah, she's pregnant, and she wants to have her child on Drift Margo. It's their place. Uh, that's where she wants them to be. And you know, when she dies eventually, she wants it to be a dragon rider's death, not that of some fat country lord, as she said. 
which uh, unfortunately gets into some uh, foreshadowing also. Uh, the princes are practicing swords, um, fighting dummies in the yard, and they got these kind of dummies set up, and they're just whacking them with swords, and Viserys is like, oh, they're forming lifelong friendships here. Yeah, they are. <laughs> or except something. For, except for, that's how it happened. Except they're doing the opposite of that, yes. Well, something happened. <laughs> And Aegon and Amond are sparring with Kristen, you know, being the two oldest boys, so they're practicing with the, the Kingsguard. And Harwin wants Kristen to be teaching all the pupils, not just, you know, the two sons of the Queen. And Kristen's like, okay, and he sets, um, Luke against Aegon, and Aegon is much bigger and older. And when Harwin says that's not a fair match, Kristen is like, well, to people who have actually been to war, you know, pointedly, it's not going to be fair. Yeah, so they're gonna make them fight, and they fought. They and fight, and... It's brutal. It's brutal. The, the younger boy is on the ground on his back and Kristen is still having Aegon beat at him. It kind of has some uh, Alice of Thorne vibes to it. Yeah, I guess so. And to make the Night's Watch references kind of more complete. Harwin has now, he has his hair in more of like a Jon Snow style and during this scene he's kind of giving some Jon Snow vibes as well. Uh, maybe that's intentional, maybe not. I, I, I don't know if that sort of thing was intentional. I didn't quite get that from it, but I can see why you did, so maybe maybe Now, Harwin intervenes, and when Kristen says Harwin forgets himself, um, Harwin is like, is this what you teach, the cruelty to the weaker opponent? And to this, Kristen's like, you're really interested in these princelings' training as if they were your cousin, or your brother, or your son. And they both start fighting each other, and... Kristen's getting his butt kicked, and That's Harwin's punching him in the face a bunch. Meanwhile, uh, the king is watching all of this happen. And he just looks, like, confused when it happens. Like, he's just like, it, it, it's kind of funny. He seems to be like, ah, oh, somebody should be stopping that. And eventually somebody does stop it, but it is funny just watching the king just, the king just watches this, the really intervene at all. Or react, for that matter. And after this, Lionel Strong is angry with his son for both roughing up a king's guard. 
and for the allegations that he slept with a princess. Because yeah, it puts everyone at risk, which it does. Um, next, we're back with Rhaenyra, and she seems to be having like some pain associated with breastfeeding or weaning, something to do with that. And a maid is trying to teach her like how to reduce that. And while this is happening, you can hear like drunken male voices singing some kind of body. I thought it maybe was the bear and the maiden fair, but I'm not sure. They sounded pretty drunk. And it feels like this juxtaposition, like here's a uh, guy singing some you know, lusty song and women having a side to that that the men are not having to deal with so much. Uh, yeah, and the men are the men aren't getting pregnant and having to nurse a baby after they have their uh, sex. And, you know, maybe I'm reading more into the scene than was intended. But no, I don't know. I, I think I think you're not saying this. Well, then, Leonor comes in with. Oh, what was his name? Sir... Carl, yes. Comes in with Sir Carl, I think his uh, newest boyfriend. They're both very drunk. Yeah, they're... they're waste. Um, Carl pretty much right away makes a comment about... Rhaenyra having a swelled breast from milk, which, you know... I don't know whether that was intended sexually or not. I mean, he is, as far as I can tell, gay. Or maybe... Maybe he's bi, but... In whatever case, he said something massively insensitive about... Her body while she's, you know, dealing with this. Yeah, you just don't say that sort Well, Leonor wants to go fight the Triarchy and... You know, wants to have fun and adventure and fight you know, pirates and I think maybe meet some more guys and he brings up um, a Tyroshi captain who dyes his hair and wears women's frocks. Now I think that's that's a reference to Rakelio Rendund, who is a more made more important character in the book, and I don't know whether Rakelio's gonna come in more to the show later or not. Rhaenyra doesn't think that he's taking serious what's going on and what's gonna come of the allegations about their sons. Which, neither of them make any reference to the sons being anything but biologically theirs. Yeah, it's something, and, you know, Sarah was talking about how it's treated that way mostly in the book, isn't it? Yeah, it's about the same. It's like they never point blank say but that Harwin is a father, but they very, very, very imply it. Yeah, and it seems and they, they and these they kids do. are clearly not like from two Targaryens, so you make and, them darker haired. And 
Leonor says, he's faithfully played the part for ten years. He's a warrior. He needs this, you know, to go off and have some fighting and fun. And she says, you know, he already goes and he drinks the best wine, buys the best horses, and sleeps with all these men. You know, as their agreement, he's going and doing his own thing. So it's not like he's not having freedom to go and have fun. But yeah, he he wants to go off and fight too. He clearly wants to go out and fight. He did for a fight. Um, next you see um, Rihanna warming a dragon egg by the fire and she's worried she'll have to move to Pentos. And Lena says to her that there's more than one way to bind yourself to a dragon and she didn't have any hatchling until she became Vagar's rider at the age of 15. If you want to be a rider, you must claim that right. And she just says, Father ignores me. It's kind of out of nowhere. And Lena says, you know, he's doing his best. Mean And next... You see Damon and he's outside and he's just like, this wine is not strong enough. He misses the wine from Westeros. He's getting news about the parentage issues with Rhaenyra's sons. And he hangs out in the library reading about dead dragon lords. And Lyanna knows that she's not Damon's first choice as a wife, but she's made peace with that, and she tells Damon he's more than that, and I think more than the alliance with Pentos, he should, he shouldn't take it. And you can tell this is what Damon thinks as well. Yeah, that's why he's drinking too much and reading, ha- reading all this Dragon Lord stuff in the library, which is a cool-looking library. Not as good as the Citadel, but certainly cool. Uh, next you see the Small Council, and it's Small Council issues, regular ones. The Blackwoods and the Brackens are having trouble. The Stepstones are having trouble. The Tullys, they mentioned Grover Tully. I'm making note of this only because the Tullys of this uh, era, they've got Muppet names. Yeah, they do. Grover. Elmo, Kermit, and who, Oscar. Who they, and who did they fit in so far? Well, so far in the show, they've only mentioned Grover. Well, there you go. But, you know, HBO... Oh, in the book, the they straight up call Kermit a green boy. Yeah. A H- green boy. Yeah, HBO currently green. owns the right to Sesame Street. Uh, yeah, I'm like, how many, uh... They could do that. How many of these the Tully characters can they put in before they have a problem with Sesame Street? And Bill's like, HBO owns them both now. Yeah, so... There you go. Um, I should also mention that Lord Beesbury is mentioned, because he's going to be more important later. And... They've got these stone marbles on the table, which um, I've seen one fan say that they're like a time, a time card thing. They they come in and they bring the stone marble and 
I was also kind of reminded of the Red Wall Shrews and their black stone they hold when they're gonna speak, but they all have one, so I don't think it's the same kind of deal. Yeah, I don't know. Rhaenyra, um, is saying to Alicent, there's the strife between their family. She apologizes for any offense, but they're one house, and they used to be friends, and she'd like to, you know, rejoin their one house by betrothing Jace to Helena. And if Cyrex lays more eggs, then, um, Aemond can have his pick of the eggs. And while this is happening, she's still acting like her breasts are still hurting her. Like, you can see she's, like, kind of fidgeting with them like she's in pain from, you know, feeding the baby. So... Uh, after this council is over, Alicent is talking to her husband, the king. She's offended about the proposed match between her daughter and one of Rhaenyra's. Uh, she's clearly starting to say bastards, but she says, plain featured sons. Yeah. yeah. Like, you can see her, she's just about to enunciate the B, and then, like, plain featured sons. Yeah. She caught herself just in time. Viserys wants her to put the quarrels aside. Lionel goes to him and tries to resign as hand because of his son. Viserys doesn't want him to resign. And Harwin has already been kicked out of the city watch, so yeah, that's already been taken care of. And he says, there's a shadow over our house, and he can't serve in integrity anymore, but he won't say why. Now, he ends up not being allowed to resign, but he does successfully get leave to bring his son back to Hall. Next scene, they move to Larry's and Alice, and they're also having some good-looking foods and get a pie and wine. Yeah, it looks really delicious. And they're also talking about Lionel's attempted resignation and um, the suspected reason. And she wishes that Otto Hightower, her father, was still in a hand. Not because he would be impartial, but because he would be partial on her side. Uh, surprisingly honest. And next thing you know, you see Larius where they sell of condemned like, peasant criminals. Um, starts speaking of their crimes, murderer, deviant, whatever that's supposed to mean, traitor, and offers them mercy if prepared to pay a price. And next thing you know, you see him cutting out one of their tongues. And to me, this recalls various as little birds who have no tongue so they can do his bidding and not be caught in question by someone else after. Uh, I 
I have pretty good reason to think this is what's going on. Or something of the sort. Scene moves to Leanna giving birth and it's gone very wrong and it's not working out and the maester says they can't do anything more and Damon is in the room with her and is more considerate than Viserys was in the similar situation with Emma he calls her my brave girl um the maester suggests a c-section but that the child may or may not survive and the wife may or may not survive the, well Damon asks if the mother will survive and the maester's just like no yeah. now we already went over that in the previous in the episode before where yes this in back then would not generally be done on a it would usually be done on somebody who was already dead or dying and the survival rate of having that done was indeed really low back then. And she's just listening to this and when she hears it she gets up and just like limps out to the yard and goes up to her own dragon, Vagar, and commands the dragon to burn her, and the dragon is confused, and, um, she obviously doesn't want to do this to her rider, and she commands the dragon a few times before the dragon, the dragon does it, it and it's all over very quickly, and it's really sad, and, yeah, it's pretty messed up, and, I was in tears, yeah, and, uh, and yeah, it's something she did that to take agency. She did it to take agency. She did it because she didn't want to die in that painful way like Emma. Um, this is not the same as the book. No, the book. In the book, what happens is the birth goes wrong, and she gives birth to a stillborn child. And then she gets the childbed fever, which often happened back then because of, you know, certain hygiene things in the past. You know, they didn't know about germs back then. And now, like, if it happens, it's treatable. As far as I know, with pretty good success rate. But back then, it was not good success rate. And... Her final act is she wants to take one last ride on her dragon, but she doesn't make it all the way. Nope. Which which I would say is still going out like a dragon rider. And it's still pretty sad, too. She just wanted to see her dragon one last ride. Yeah, that was rough. Like, I'm not actively watching it, and I'm getting pretty, like, choked up talking about it. Um, next you see Harwin saying his farewells to Rhaenyra's family, and, uh, most likely his family, to go to Harrenhal. 
And when he was just you know, saying to her son, oh, they can write by Raven, it will be fun. And Jace asks if Harwin is really his father and if he's a bastard. And her answer is, you are a Targaryen, that's what matters. Which, like, politically, no, but... Yeah, I'd still count them as Targaryens, even if... He's a dragon rider. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And I'll say in the book, you know, she brings up the, oh, these are dragon riders. So clearly they're Targaryens. And then she goes to Leonor and says that because of the trouble at court, they're going to go to Dragonstone and um, gather as many swords as you can. So you can see she's already expecting possible uh, war. And next you see wagons on their way to Harrenhal. You see Harrenhal in the distance and the lake. And you see this shady looking guy in the bushes. And he's got this little piece of jewelry that um, looks like the firefly symbol that Larry's has. Uh, fans have made some guesses about the fireflies, like, oh, is it like a dream kind of symbol? Uh, I doubt if they were going... Dream? dream. I doubt if they were going the way I'm going to suggest, but... What's that? Firefly's light comes from a toxic substance called luciferin. Yeah, that's true. So what if the knowledge or um, light, so to speak, from Larry's is poisoned? Yeah, maybe. I don't think anyone involved in the show is enough of a bug nerd to... But maybe they are. Hey, they brought out all those insects. They brought out that millipede. Yeah. But I, I, they'll do that with any show. Or they used to do that with shows all the time. What type of scorpion was that again? Emperor. Well, there you go. That's... Emperor scorpion. The easiest to get out. a hold of until fairly recently. Yeah, they were they harmless. Were very easy to get a hold of, and if you, they're still easy if you can find somebody who breeds them. HBO's got money. They probably do. Um, and uh, emperor scorpions. The thing about them is that they're good natured and they're pretty harmless. Yeah, it's big, it's scary looking, and they're pretty non-aggressive. If Even if you upset them, they're much more likely to pinch you with a claw or push you with the stinger rather than actually sting as a last resort. They usually just push you away, like, in general. And they, when they sting, it is like a hornet sting, which... Yeah, it's possible it's, to still be allergic to that, but if yeah, you're not, it's you're pretty live. harmless you're sting. Gonna, you're going to live, you're going to be in pain, but again, it's like a hornet sting. The it's tiny like little scorpions with skinny little pinchers and fat stingers, those are the ones you got to worry more about being potentially deadly. Yeah, here's a little hint. Now, this is not always true. There's several uh, species with larger pinchers and very deadly venom, but... Uh, for a general rule, the smaller pit, the pincher, and the smaller the scorpion, the more likely the uh, venom's gonna be affected. Yeah, such highly toxic species as to do their prey very quickly versus something like an emperor scorpion, which can just just crushes them in the claws. They never have. They most likely never they, have to use their venom on well, prey. They'll, they'll, they'll use it to stun, and then they'll they'll rip it apart with their claws. So, anyway. 
I've seen many emperor scorpions eat, and it's just like, oh, they're, they have a cricket in each claw, and they're not using the stinger at all. And when you usually see them use the stinger. I think it's people usually feed, like... I saw a really gluttonous emperor yeah. with, like, a cricket in each claw, a cricket in its mouth, and I'm like, okay, you've got three crickets. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was very happy, I'm sure. Now, in Westeros context, when you hear about scorpions, it's like, oh, Lord, what's-his-name had scorpions fall on him and they, and he died of the stings, or one of the Dothraki got stung by a scorpion and died, so the scorpions in Martin's works, I think, are more of the, the dangerous kind. Oh, yeah, on about the skinny pinchers, little scorpions. Yeah, if you look up some pictures of Egyptian Deathstalker scorpion or Tunisian fat-tailed, they got these little skinny pinchers and the scorpions all little, and those are the ones that you really don't want to get stung by. Uh. So, anyway. Yeah, on to... Heron Hall, um, the next scene is where Lionel and Harwin are woken up by a room filling with smoke, and there's a big fire in Heron Hall, and they do not make it out alive, and I think some others died too. Larry's isn't there. You see... Rhaenyra and family arrive on Dragonstone and Viserys is off by himself just saying what are children but a weakness, a folly, a futility through them you imagine you cheat the great darkness of its victory you persist forever in some form or another it keep you from the dust for them you surrender what you should not you know the right thing to be done but love stays the I wrote this down. But love stays the hand. Love is a damn folly. Best to make your life... Something... What did I write? I can't read this. If you ask me. So he's... (laughs) Pardon my mess-ups. He's regretting that he had kids and... The choices he's made about them and... Yeah, and you see rats scurrying around um, on a shelf above him. Those rats, which you know, might symbolize like decay in the kingdom, or they might um, symbolize treachery. Treachery in various forms. There's the Maester conspiracy. There's blood and cheese. I don't feel like I should give the full details of either thing now. Don't spoil those. I'm not gonna spoil them. Not that Maester Conspiracy is ever confirmed. Well, we'll see what direction the show goes. The rats would symbolize either. You see the Harrenhal fire aftermath of people dead, horse dead. Um, you see Damon and daughters in mourning. You see Lyanna's burned body. Um, so all this is going on while Viserys is giving his like emo speech about not having kids. Or regretting it. 
And next you see Larry's giving Allison Harrenhal the news of Harrenhal and what happened. And he's talking about Heron's folly and how in his arrogance he built this castle and there's a curse on it. And he's blaming the curse on the fire. But Allison seems to know that he's behind it. And I, that's what I think. I think that one of those guys that were having the tongue cut out started the fire. Yeah. I think he was that guy in the bushes with the bug jewelry and... Uh, I don't know why Larry's would have given him bug jewelry to go and uh, do some arson, but... It looks like he's had those prisoners go do his dirty work for them in exchange for not getting executed. And Allison can tell he's behind it. She's not happy with him for this. But he's like, oh, he's certain he will be rewarded when the time is right. And, oh, he's still got that hibiscus flower in his hand. Look, Allison, look at this flower. Huh? Yeah. He likes his flowers. Um, so that's the end of the episode, and in the forward for the next episode, you can see some fighting going on, and they say, Someone stole Vagar. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's so the next movie. episode's going to be crazy, it sounds like. Yeah, there's going to be a lot more dragon action. Yay! Uh, always want more dragon action. Uh, do you have any more to say? Uh, no. I'd say, uh... I think I'd that this, that uh... We're going to have more dragon action. I think that's going to be important. And I think we're going to find out where some of this political intrigue is going. Alright. So yeah, we'll we'll see what happens next when it comes. Thank you for listening to Cast in the Fire podcast. Um, please follow us, join our group. If you have any feedback, we'd like to hear it. And uh, have a good evening. Good night.